Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, this is Kieran Tierney. Welcome to the latest edition of Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal vs Everton, Sunday, February 23rd, 2020, Premier League, 4.30pm. Contents, head coach, captain, voice of Arsenal, player feature, Academy Part 1, Academy Part 2, Matchday Action, Arsenal vs Newcastle, Community, Arsenal Family, Match Action Burnley vs Arsenal, my story, visitors, women, my arsenal, teams. Mikel Arteta. A lot has happened since we last faced the head coach's former club. The last time we played Everton, I was watching in the stands, and basically my life has changed so much since then. That day, I was sitting next to Carlo Ancelotti, who had been appointed the same day, so it was a very weird situation. Over the couple of months or so since then, I think the team has moved in the way that I want them to. I have to respect the process because there's been a very clear idea of what I want to do, and you can only do so much in a certain time. But the signs that I'm getting, the feedback that I'm receiving, and the energy that I'm feeling from the players, the staff, and the fans is very positive and encouraging. All of that gives me a great enthusiasm and excitement that we can move forward together and achieve what we want to. It's been 11 games now since that day at Goodison Park and I have to say it's gone very quickly for me. We've played a lot of games in a short time and the amount of training we've been able to do as part of a complete group of 22 or 23 players has not been very much. The break we had recently was very useful in the regard that in the past two months we have been in the cycle of train, play, recovery, train, play, recovery. And now it doesn't give you much time to gauge how the players are responding and how they are feeling. So it's been a good time to allow to reflect on that. But in general, the most important thing is that I am ready and I'm happy with the attitude of the players and that they're willing And they've been to do the best things that they can and the passion and the work ethics that they have shown to me so far. When I came in, I had a clear idea of what I wanted to achieve and how I wanted to achieve it. I wouldn't say it's been any harder than I was expecting, but at the same time, there has been some circumstances 
that could never control what has happened in this time. In general, you always get some positive surprises or some negative surprises. You need to always bear in mind the context. There are always two sides to it. What you want to do and what you can do. You have to mould the road every single day to make sure that you don't lose direction, knowing all the time that you will have to adapt depending on what obstacles might get in your way. It's always a very special occasion when I play against Everton. I have plenty of friends still at the club and people I know really well there. Starting from the chairman, he's someone I've kept a very close relationship with. I was there for seven years and I was the captain there, so it was a big part of my life. What can I say about Carlos as a manager? I was at an LMA dinner a couple of months ago. And when you look at the clubs he's managed and the amount of titles that he's won, it's just incredible. What Carlo has done for the game in different countries is amazing. He's always adapted, whether he's gone, the way he comes across, but more importantly, the feedback you get from the players and the staff who have worked with him. They all say some really nice stuff. To have that all at one club, maybe that happens. But to have all of them, without exception, that tells you a lot about him, about the person and about his qualities as a manager. For me, one of those qualities of being able to convince the players how good they are. He creates a very good synergy between them and then he adapts. I've seen his teams at PSG or Madrid or Bayern approach the game in different ways. He is able to change in relation to which players he has available and for what they can do. The only thing that stays the same across the different teams he has managed is that he wins. Our last two games have been really pleasing for different reasons. We needed to get those goals against Newcastle because scoring goals has been one of the main issues throughout the season. We had a problem with scoring and also with the amount of shots we had and also conceding. So we had to address both at the same time. And whilst doing that, keeping a very good attacking productivity. But it's not easy. But that is what we are trying to do. We had some players who hadn't scored for a while before the Newcastle game, which is very rare given their ability. So hopefully now that has been lifted. When you see the goal-scoring threat we have as a team, I think the goals will come naturally. And on Thursday night, we defended really well to get that winning grease. That's three clean sheets in a row now. And I've been telling the players that they need to enjoy defending as well. It's a big part of the game. We are doing a lot of work on staying as compact as possible in many situations. But when we don't have the ball, I see a lot of that on Thursday. They played with a big heart and lots of effort. We talked about the turning draws into wins. And it doesn't matter if it's home or away. We have to do it together. So the performance against Olympiakos was a great advert for the team. To believe that, we can go away and get a similar result like that. We had an incredible support there, which was a great help too. So please get behind the team today and enjoy the match. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The skipper on two good wins and two clean sheets. We've had a really good week with two wins in different competitions and now we want to keep that going today against Everton.
It was a really tough game on Thursday in Greece. We had to work hard in both attack and defence, and everyone knows how difficult it is to get a result in their stadium. Their fans get right behind them and put a lot of pressure on any team that comes to their home. But we dealt with it really well and worked for each other for the whole 90 minutes. We knew how important it would be to stop their counter-attacks and close them down all over the pitch. We managed to do that and then of course Lacquer got the goal late on. He can always do that, he's a striker who can score at any time and now he's scored in our last two games. I'm so happy for him. Bukayo Saka set up the goal, another assist for him. He just keeps going. He is playing with a lot of confidence and keeps showing how important he can be at big moments in matches. I loved his assist for Nico against Newcastle too. The little chilly and the cutback. He can be really dangerous when he gets into the area. It was a close game against Olympiakos, but we could even have scored again late on. We had one good counter-attack, and also Papa hit the bar in the last few minutes with a header from a corner. But 1-0 is a good result. It keeps our run going, and now we have to finish the job here in London on Thursday. We have only done half of the work so far. It was good that we kept another clean sheet. We all defended well as a team. We have been doing that lately. We helped each other out and all knew our jobs when we lost the ball. It was the same against Newcastle last week. We had a difficult first half and couldn't create much, but the coach told us at half-time to keep going and to keep playing our own game. We weren't at our best to start with, but then in the second half we showed much more energy and after we scored the first goal we were like a different team. That's two headers for me now this season. We had spoken a bit about my role at half-time the coach told me to stay more as a second striker, so I kept my position. When Nico had the ball and put the cross in, I knew I would be ready to take the ball and to score. We had been practising these sorts of chances a lot that week in training, and it felt good to do it in a game. We made a few tactical changes during the game, and we needed to because they were playing really deep, very compact, and so when I could move into the middle, it gave Bukayo more space on the left to create chances and get forward. You could see how much it meant to us when Laka scored the fourth goal. We are feeling good as a team right now, and we just want to keep the momentum going. We have started a run that needs to continue, especially here at home. We have changed a few things over the last few weeks, and we all feel good on the pitch, which I think you can see. We have an idea of how we want to play, it's very clear. It's up to us to maintain this level for the rest of the season. We want to keep it going against Everton today. They have been in really good form lately as well, and we're expecting a tough challenge. Everybody knows about Carlo Ancelotti. He's a manager who's won titles everywhere, and he is already making Everton a better team and is getting good results daily. He was AC Milan manager when I was a young player there, so I know about him and how he likes his team to play. It will be strange to see Alex Iwobi back here wearing blue today as well. We had some good times together here, but I don't want to see him celebrating today. From all the boys, thanks for your support in Greece. We could hear you loud and clear from the pitch. Let's get another win today. Come on, you gunners. Thank <laughs> you.
Arsenal. An audience with Arsene Wenger and David Dine. Arsene Wenger, our most successful manager, and now FIFA's Chief of Global Football Development, and David Dine, MBE, former Vice-Chairman of Arsenal and the FA, are taking to the stage at the London Palladium on April the 27th. It will be a one-off evening in which they will talk about their time at the club, the state of football today, and where they think it will go in the future. The two will discuss how the Frenchman went from Arsen who, to one of English football's greatest pioneers, and how, together, they shaped the most successful period in Arsenal's history. The conversation will leave no stone unturned, covering the title wins, high-profile transfers, and star players that defined their time in North London. With David having been the leading figure in the formation of the Premier League and Arsenal's new role at FIFA, the two will also be sure to discuss the most pressing issues of the modern game, including VAR, financial fair play and the offside rule. The night will be hosted by Ian Wright MBE and Alex Scott MBE, with television celebrity and Arsenal fan Dermot O'Leary asking the questions. There will be many special celebrity guests, including some of the Invincibles, and the audience will have the opportunity to engage in a Q&A with Arsene and David. The night is being organised in support of the Twinning Project charity, www.twinningproject.org, which twins professional football clubs with their local prison. It focuses on reducing reoffending rates in the UK by delivering coaching and referees courses to offenders, giving them the necessary lifestyle skills to succeed on the outside. During the event, there will be an auction of once-in-a-lifetime experiences. To buy a ticket for this unique event, please visit https colon slash slash lwtheatres.co.uk slash venga hyphen dine or call 020-7087-7755. Tickets go on sale at 10am on Monday, February the 24th. Another North London derby. The draw for the quarter-finals of the Women's FA Cup has been made, and if we're able to beat Lewis Women FC today, we'll face Tottenham Hotspur at home. We remain the most successful team in the competition's history, having won the trophy a record 14 times. The last time we faced Lewis FC, we ran out 9-0 winners on the road with both Viviane Maidima and Kim Little hitting hat-tricks, while the last time we faced Tottenham Hotspur, we cruised to a 2-0 victory at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Stay close to our Twitter account, at Arsenal WFC, for updates. Best of luck, Robbie. Robbie Burton has joined Croatian side Dynamo Zagreb on a permanent transfer. The 20-year-old midfielder joined the club when he was just six and developed through the ranks at the Arsenal Academy. The graduate secured his first professional contract in August 2018 and has since made 25 appearances for our under-23s, scoring five times. This season, Robbie also wore the captain's armband for eight of his appearances. Robbie's hard work was recognised last summer when he joined the first team on their pre-season tour of the United States, where he made his first-team debut, 
playing a full 90 minutes against the Colorado Rapids and coming off the bench in our win over Bayern Munich in the International Champions Cup. Robbie also appeared in the first-team squad for our Carabao Cup fixture against Nottingham Forest in September. The Wales Youth International has featured for his country up to under-21 level. Everyone at the club wishes Robbie the very best of luck for the future. Matchball sponsor. A very happy 21st birthday to Angus Lowe from Mum, Mark, Iku, Nicole and Ken. Have a great day at the Arsenal. Picture of the week in the hard copy. International watch. Five of our Arsenal women's stars have been called up for England and Scotland's international fixtures in March. Congratulations to Leah Williamson and Jordan Nobbs, who have been named in the Lionesses squad for the 2020 She Believes Cup. Phil Neville's side will face World Cup winners USA on March the 6th before going on to play Japan on March the 8th and Spain on March the 11th. We'd also like to congratulate Lisa Evans, Jennifer Beatty and Emma Mitchell, currently out on loan, for being named in the latest Scotland squad for the Pinatar Cup. The competition will be used as preparation for home Euro qualifiers against Portugal, Albania and Finland in the coming months. Up for the Plastic Cup. Thanks to our partnership with Camden Town Brewery, we are celebrating saving half a million single-use plastic cups from going to landfill as part of our ongoing aim to reduce our environmental impact. At the end of last season, we became the first Premier League club to introduce a reusable cup scheme, which now saves approximately 20,000 cups per game. This milestone exemplifies how small operational changes can have a huge environmental impact over a sustained period, added Arsenal's deputy stadium manager Michael Lloyd. The reaction from our fans has been overwhelmingly positive. Thanks to all of you for your terrific support. Half a million cups lined up would wrap around Emirates Stadium over 91 times. Travel from Emirates Stadium to Camden Town Brewery and back over 18 times. Equal the length of 676 football pitches. Equal the height of 29,500 footballs. The Old Hiberians Association The Old Hiberians Association is formed of ex-pupils of Highbury County School. There is an annual reunion for members and guests, usually in April, and this year's is the 20th anniversary reunion to be held in London on Sunday, April the 26th. There is a quarterly magazine for each member and another social in the autumn. Any former Hiburian interested in finding out more can email the secretary at soden989, that's spelt S-O-W-D-E-N, at btinternet.com or phone 020-889-3658. RefWatch. Our referee this afternoon is Stuart Atwell from Nuneaton, Warwickshire. Atwell worked his way up through non-league football before refereeing in the Football League for the first time in 2007. 
After just one season, he was included in the select group of officials for 2008-9 and became the youngest referee in Premier League history at 25 as he took charge of Blackburn Rovers' 1-1 draw with Hull City in August 2008. This record has since been broken by Michael Oliver. Atwell has taken charge of 107 Premier League fixtures to date, showing 14 red cards and 373 yellows. This will be his fourth Arsenal fixture of 2019-20, to with all three of the previous games ending in a draw, 2-2 versus Southampton at home, 1-1 versus Bournemouth away, and 2-2 versus Chelsea away. Atwell is accompanied by assistants Adam Nunn and Simon Long at Emirates Stadium, with Simon Hooper as fourth official. Craig Pawson has been named as a designated VAR, with Stephen Child as his assistant. Report it. Discriminatory chanting and antisocial behaviour is offensive to all fans and not tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive behaviour, you can report it to a steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our fans and wider community. Thank you for your support. Adidas Baggett. In every domestic programme this season, the club's kit partner, Adidas, are giving away small duffel bags. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Which Arsenal striker scored against Newcastle for five successive seasons, starting in 1993-94? to Email your answer, including your full name and address, to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at AFC Programme. All entries to us by Friday, February the 28th, please. One entry per person. Phil and Footy, the Route 92 Tour. Phil and Footy is an organisation that promotes the welfare of young people in England through the development of specialist youth football academies that aim to inspire young people to explore and develop their passions through football. As part of their fundraising drive, they have embarked on the Route 92 Tour, a tour of 92 of England's finest football clubs and training grounds from the Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two. The tour started on Monday, February the 10th and will last 90 days, covering more than 2,000 miles before ending on May the 10th, 2020. And today, the tour comes to Emirates Stadium. You can find out more at www.philanfooty, that's spelt P-H-I-L-A-N-F-O-O-T-Y dot com and help them reach their fundraising targets of £36,454 at www.justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash route 92. Above and beyond, Henry Wackett received an Adidas T-shirt versus Sheffield United and Vanessa Corres an Adidas double bag versus Newcastle United. Each went above and beyond with their programme selling skills, for which we are hugely grateful. Adidas, the Addy Years. Last time Arsenal entertained Everton in Adidas was on August the 28th, 1993, and there was cause for celebration, as George Graham's men paraded the FA Cup and League Cup won the previous season. 
the team went on to beat the Toffees 2-0, courtesy of an Ian Wright brace. It made it four Premiership wins in a row, having lost the first match of the season infamously 3-0 to Coventry on the opening day at Highbury. Fans Forum, latest meeting. Raoul Sanlehi and Vinay Venketchum met with fans to answer a broad range of questions at the latest meeting of the Arsenal Supporters Forum last Monday. They explained how well the recent training camp in Dubai worked and stated they are optimistic about the remainder of the season, in particular the opportunity to climb the Premier League and compete for the Europa League and Emirates FA Cup. Forum members were told the club will hold ticket prices flat across general admission and club level for next season, with final pricing dependent on qualification for European competition. This is the sixth season in a row prices have been frozen in general admission areas and the third season for club level. Stadium and Facilities Director John Beattie explained that the club continues to undertake ongoing research into the viability of rail seating at Emirates Stadium. He said, We have recently received an independent report which is now being examined in detail. The report underlined the complexity of creating rail seating areas in the stadium, including in relation to reducing total capacity and challenges around sight lines when standing. Work continues in this area. The Arsenal Supporters Trust raised questions about how we can drive better home attendances and the possibility of home credits. Vinay agreed that maximising attendance is an important area and a key priority for the club moving forward. Ticketing and Fan Services Director Ivan Wurzel explained that the ticket exchange service will continue to be developed with the aim of improving attendance and usage continues to grow based on recent changes. He also explained that work has started to review the possibility of introducing home match credits. The full minutes of the meeting can be found on the supporters section of arsenal.com. Player feature, Leno. Goalkeepers once had a reputation for being slightly eccentric, but those days are long gone. Because, as well as using his eyes and ears, the modern goalkeeper also has to engage his brain. More than ever, the player whose only jobs were to stop goals and smash the ball up the pitch is now a sweeper, and a key part of any coach's tactical plan when it comes to winning possession, building from the back, and switching play quickly. That suits bound Leno just fine. The German, who has enhanced his own reputation during a difficult period for the team, has an eye for tactics and a desire to learn. Oh, and it turns out he's a pretty handy businessman too. Bound sat down with us to talk about the changes he'd seen in front of him on the pitch, how our new goalkeeping coach has bonded with the group, and why he couldn't be happier off the pitch. Hint. It's not just his brain that's engaged. Bount, we wanted to ask you about the team. We've drawn a lot of games, but it does feel as if the team spirit is on the up. Does it feel that way to the players? I think so, because you can see we have more structure and we are controlling the game more. We are much better in transitions and also the atmosphere is getting better. If we keep on like this, I think we will win more games 
and we have to focus on winning the next one too. As a goalkeeper, you're in a unique position to see the team shape. Can you tell us what's changed? Like I said, you can see more structure. We are defending like a team, and we have more possession. We are controlling the game more. We have more in our hands, and you can see we don't concede too many chances. Also, the atmosphere in the stadium. You can feel that people are more excited. They like the way we play, our mentality and our attitude. We just have to keep working like this. It must be a relief for you to see the team not giving up as many chances because you've been quite busy. Yeah, there were a lot of games where we conceded a lot of shots and a lot of goals. At the moment I'm happy that we don't concede too many chances or too many goals because the defence is the most important thing. Not only for a goalkeeper but for the whole team. When you defend very well, you win more games and we have the quality to score a lot of goals. If we defend well, we can be successful. A big change for you since Mikhail came in is that you've got a new goalkeeping coach. What impact has Inaki Kena had on you and the rest of the goalkeeping group? Inaki is working a little bit more physically. He's working a lot on dynamics, but I think we all have the same mindset. We work like a modern goalkeeping group under Inaki, but we also did that before. The coaches always worked in a tactical way, a technical way, and the goalkeeper doesn't only save balls. The goalkeeper is a spare man with his feet to build up the game and also to defend very high. That's our job. It didn't change too much, but of course, every goalkeeper coach has his own way of working. For us, it's always difficult when the goalkeeping coach changes during the season, like it is for the whole team when the head coach changes. We had a lot of games during this period as well, and it's a new challenge to work with somebody else with new ideas but we like to work with him and we're happy. How useful was the trip to Dubai? Not only in terms of training, but in building that relationship with him. It was important because football is not always about what happens on the pitch. It's also about knowing each other and building a relationship. We had a lot of fun. We could laugh. And it's also very important that we are open-minded to each other. The goalkeeper group is always special. We are one family, one group because we work together most of the time. We have a very good group. Looking at Everton, what have you made of them since Carlo Ancelotti arrived? Everton have very good players and they've had good results. Carlo Ancelotti is so experienced and won the Champions League many times. He will push them and you can see the players are following him. When I was at Leverkusen and he was the Bayern Munich manager, he was always playing forward and always attacking very high. That's what we have to expect today. Jordan Pickford has been saying he thinks he gets more criticism because he's England's goalkeeper. Do you sympathise with him? I think so, because Jordan is a very good goalkeeper. He deserves more respect because he had a very good World Cup and he's been playing consistently. But all goalkeepers make mistakes. When another keeper makes a mistake, nobody talks about it. But when he makes a mistake or there's a goal where he was unlucky, everybody talks about it. That's not fair because he has saved his team a lot of times. But I think Jordan is strong and experienced enough to handle the situation. Is it different in Germany? Manuel Neuer doesn't seem to be under the same pressure. But is that because he's the captain? 
Neuer, for me, is still maybe the best goalkeeper in the world, and he has unbelievable experience. He has won everything, but when he makes a small mistake, they attack him as well. The best thing is to just not read this stuff, also on social media. I think we know in our mind what we have done well or could have done better. Away from football. Outside of life on the pitch, you've launched a new eSports team. I did it because it's a hobby. I like to play FIFA and eSports is getting bigger and bigger. I have an old friend from my hometown working with us. We were joking at first, but then it became serious and we are now doing it professionally. I have had a lot of fun with it. How did you find players to form the team? My friend has good connections in eSports and he found the players. I met them, talked with them and then we decided to sign them. Hopefully they will do well and we are successful together. Could this be a future career for you when you finished with football? No. I think my job is to just help the team to organise everything. I'm a good FIFA player, but not good enough because they train very hard. And we heard that you've recently become engaged. Were you nervous before you proposed? Yes, I was so nervous. I told my brother and my family and my friends, and I was like, very easy. Then I took the ring to my girlfriend and I was so nervous. I was sweating because it was a very hot day in California and I was very nervous. But everything went very well and we were so happy. It was a special moment in my life. Did you do it properly and get down on one knee? Yes, I went down on one knee. I prepared my speech, but in the moment I forgot everything. So I said very good things because it came from my heart. So yes, it was a special moment and my fiancé couldn't believe it. She was very happy. Where were you when you popped the question? It was in Santa Barbara, because she went there for a school exchange, and it's her favourite place. That was my chance. Your fiancé works in languages, is that right? Yes, she's a German-English translator, because she's very good at languages. She speaks German, English, French and Spanish, but her English is perfect. It's like my German. So yes, she has a talent for it, and she studies from home because she wanted to support me here, and that's why I love her. Arsenal Academy, Young Gun, Matthew Dennis, talking to Aidan Small. I was an Arsenal boy through and through growing up. My dad and most of my family are Liverpool supporters, but it's always been Arsenal for me. From as young as I can remember, I've loved the way that Arsenal play. And obviously, being able to watch players like Thierry Henry helps too. I've been at the club since I was seven years old, and I joined at the same time as a number of other lads who are currently at the club. I've played with Zaka, Cottrell, Ryan, Odwinko, Alfie Matthews from pretty much the first day I've joined here. But when you look at the way someone like Bayako has come through the ranks and found himself in the first team, it's an inspiration because it gives you the belief that you can do it too because you grew up with him. I know that it's in, that he's inspired so many lads around the academy. Whether I'm watching first team games and Bayako is playing, I'm desperate for him to do well. And that's exactly what he's been doing. The way he's been charging at defences and playing with confidence is great to see. We've all seen it in the academy. Everyone who's come through here is a really good bond. And we're all looking out for each other. 
We grew up together through good times, through bad, so it's only natural. At the start of last season, I unfortunately tore my ligaments in my ankle, but I feel so much sharper now. Annoyingly, I couldn't do much work in the build-up to pre-season because I had a niggling injury, but I really enjoyed pre-season, and I'm finding my full flow now. As for my season so far, from a personal side of things, I've had some promising moments, but I feel there's more still to come. There's more in the tank. At the start of the season, I was playing at right back, but more recently, I've been playing on the left wing. That's been a new challenge for me, and I've been doing the best I can to embrace it. Generally speaking, I always look to receive the ball to my feet and I drive at players. I love linking up with players through combination moves and getting shots off too. I'm always looking for the one-twos with players like Ryan and Alfie. We've got good chemistry over the past couple of months and I think we've been doing really well as a team. If we started like this at the beginning of the season, we'd be flying right now. But that wasn't the case. At the start of the season, I think we were lacking the connection between us and the first years. So, we needed time to work out how we would connect, the best combinations, the patterns of play. I think it happened because our academy is so successful and we've had so many players pushing onto older age groups. But we're getting there now and our performance in the FA Youth Cup showed that. We've delivered some really mature performances in the competition and I was obviously really happy with my goal against Southampton too. I started on the bench that game and I decided to channel my anger into a run. I picked up the ball just behind the halfway line. I saw loads of space, so I just kept going and going and going until a chance opened up. I'd like to consider myself a powerful runner, so that goal is what my game is all about. Maybe next time I'll pass it, though. As for my aims between now and the end of the season, I really want to win the FA Youth Cup and prove myself as a consistent player. I've shown I'm capable of really strong performances this season. But now it's about doing that week in and week out. That's the key to kicking on and getting more opportunities with the under-23s. Matthew Dennis, the lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Kick about my dad in the park. Who got you into football? My dad. First footballer you ever looked up to? Paul Pogba. Team I supported growing up? Arsenal. Biggest influence? My dad. Best goal of all time? Ihan Brisevic, Sweden versus England. Best goal I've ever scored? Southampton in the FA Youth Cup. Who I combine with the best? Nathan Butler and Ryan. Best moment of my career so far? Scoring the winner in the FA Youth Cup. Sing one song to save my life. Heart on Ice by Rod Wave. Another sport I'm good at. Basketball. About me, favourite footballer of all time, Ronaldinho. If I could be any footballer, I'd be myself. Favourite musician, Rod Wave. A player I looked up to the most, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Best footballing attribute, dribbling. Favourite trainers, Balashingas. Favourite pre-song match, Heart on Ice by Rod Wave. One thing I want in my career, to inspire others. Not many people know that I'm an artist. Around the Academy. Best touch, Miguel. Most committed, Harry Clark. Most two-footed, Kiddo Taylor Hart. Would-be manager, Tom Smith. Strongest, Mazid. 
Captain Material, Mazid. Funniest, Ryan. Best singer, me. Academy News. Under-16s advantage. Our under-16s have reached the semi-finals of the Premier League National Cup. In a match at Hale End, our youngsters were held to a nil-nil draw by Newcastle United across 90 minutes. As a result, it was then settled by a penalty shootout and the stalemate continued throughout extra time. We kept our call in the shootout to advance to the next stage by scoring three unanswered spot kicks. Congratulations, lads. We wish you all the best in the semi-final. Young Lions. Two of our academy youngsters have made the England bows for the under-17s. Both Hutchinson and James Sweet were named in Kevin Besby's squad to travel to Spain on tour. In the Young Lions opening match against Ukraine, Hutchinson started for the first time. Sadly, for the under-17s, they were held to a nil-nil draw despite dominating the match. In the second match in Marbella, Sweet was introduced from the bench as they came from behind to beat Russia 4-2. Russia took the lead on 47 minutes and retook the lead with 15 minutes to play after the young Lions equalised. Lewis Dobson equalised shortly after and the victory was secured, thanks to two late goals. Matt Smith nominated. Our under-23s midfielder Matt Smith was nominated for the Premier League Two-Player of the Month award for January. Our English midfielder scored the equalising goal in our 3-3 draw with Everton at the beginning of 2020. Matt was nominated by the Premier League Football Development Panel after PL2 club coaches voted for the best performance of the opposing player in each of their league matches during the month. So far this season, Matt has scored once and registered three assists for our under-23s and also impressed against senior opposition in the Leasing.com trophy. Keep up the good work, Matt. Arsenal Academy. Young gun, Zach Swanson. Around the Academy, FA Youth Cup progress. Remember, Bailey Spencer Adams. Young Gun, talking to Aidan Small, Zach Swanson. The Basics, born Cambridge, September 28th, 2000. Joined Arsenal, 2006. Height and weight, 73 kilograms, 5 foot 11 inches. Position, right back. School, Bishop Stortford High School. I've been a gooner for as long as I can remember. Everyone in the family supports Arsenal. We're all die-hard fans. Well, except for my nan and granddad. They support Tottenham, sadly. I started supporting Arsenal through my brother. He started supporting them at three years old, and from there on, that was me sorted, because I look up to him, as younger brothers do. My brother still uses my season ticket, so he's there in the Emirates for every home game, and he'll be there today. If I didn't play for the club, then I'd be joining him too. Where I've been at the club so long now, I never had the chance to do that for a full season, even as a youngster, but I still go to games whenever I get the chance. When I watch games with my brother, I'm obviously surrounded by people who aren't involved with the club as much as we are, so I love seeing their perspective of the game and what it means to them. Whereas when I'm watching it in the paddock, I'll typically try and analyse the game a little more and see what I can learn from it. 
I think the best game I've seen live was the 4-2 win against Tottenham last season. The atmosphere in the stadium that day was ridiculous. I was with my brother for that game too, so I was in with the crowd. Another game that really stands out to me is the FA Cup final against Chelsea. When I started supporting Arsenal, I idolised Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, because how can't you? But as I got a bit older, I started looking up to Jack Wilshere and Cesc Fabregas. Having come through the ranks at Hale End, Wilshere was always the example for us. He'd visit Hale End a fair amount and give advice to others whenever possible. I was picked up by Arsenal at under six level, but I still remember it clearly. It's one of my earliest memories. I was playing for my local team at the time and I'd been spotted by Tottenham, but as soon as Arsenal showed interest, I was sold. I've been there ever since. I remember coming out from school and my mum telling me that I was going to Arsenal the next day instead. Matt Smith and James Olyinka also joined Arsenal the same year that I did, so we've been together for a while now. We stayed together in digs when we first moved to London Colney too. When I look at team photos of us at under six level all the way up to now, it's crazy. We've grown up playing with each other every day, every game and every season. So we've been with each other through every step of the journey. It's class to see James doing so well out on loan with Northampton. Looking back, I think my favourite thing about being at Hale End was learning from all the coaches and seeing all the older lads kick on. When you're younger and you're going through the same steps they went through, you have to try and learn from every little thing they do. I've learnt so many things from watching players in the academy and first team. I've come a long way from back then, but I'm still at the very start of my football journey. My aims are now to push as close as I can to the first team and keep training over there and impressing whenever I get the opportunity. I need to keep getting minutes for the under-23s, and if I can maintain that, I'll hopefully impress the manager. It's been a big step up from the under-18s, but I feel like I've settled in well and I'm on the right path. Zach Swanson, The Lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Playing in the park with my brother. First footballer I looked up to. Thierry Henry. Best friend in football. Matt Smith. Team I supported growing up. Arsenal. Biggest influences, mum and brother. Best goal of all time. Zidane versus Leverkusen in the UCL final. Best goal I've ever scored. FA Youth Cup versus Northampton. Best player I've faced. Callum Hudson-Odoi. Who I combine best with. Trey Coyle. Best moment of my career so far. Winning the under-18s Premier League and signing my pro deal. Sing one song to save my life. Mario, let me love you. Another sport I'm good at. Golf. About me. <clears throat> Favourite footballer of all time. Lionel Messi. If I could be any footballer, I'd be... Ronaldinho. Favourite follow on Instagram. Conor McGregor. Favourite musician. Roddy Rich. Best football attribute. Technique. 
One thing I need on an away day. Phone. One thing I want to do. Play at the highest level possible and win trophies. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a property developer. Player I look up to the most. Hector Bayerin. Player who's shaped my game. Philip Lahm. Best thing about being at Arsenal. History of club, facilities and coaches. Around the academy. Who will make it? Tyrese John-Jules. Most skills in their locker. Follerin Balogun. Best passing range. Matt Smith. Most two-footed. Sam Greenwood. Would-be best manager. Mark McGuinness. Most committed. Harry Clark. Strongest. Trey Coyle. Captain material. Mark. Rate yourself. Out of ten. Pace. Six. Dribbling. Seven. Passing. Nine. Shooting. Seven. Defending. Nine. Physical. Five. Academy alumni. Bailey Spencer Adams. Bailey Spencer Adams has impressed for Watford's development teams so far this season and finally made with his professional debut in January. The defender left us in the summer after featuring prominently for our under-18s for two consecutive seasons. He also played for West Ham United and Spurs before joining the club. Throughout the 2017-2018 campaign, he made 12 appearances for our under-18s, which included six clean sheets. <clears throat> During the following under-18s campaign, he once again showed his class as we won 11 of the 13 matches with him at the heart of our defence. In the summer of 2019, Bailey made the switch to Watford and has been performing well in their development teams. He regularly trains with the first team and was rewarded with his first professional appearance in the FA Cup against Tranmere Rovers. The 18-year-old played 77 minutes of the first fixture at Vicarage Road, where the Hornets surrendered a 3-0 lead to draw 3-3. He then went on to play the full 90 minutes as Watford lost the replay 2-1 after extra time at Prenton Park. Another former Arsenal Academy player, Caelan Hines, getting the Hornets' goal. Good luck with the rest of the season, Bailey. Academy News Under-13s Champions Our under-13s were crowned indoor 6v6 national champions after a hugely impressive run to win the competition. The Premier League set up the tournament to provide competitive match experience in a smaller format and to focus on developing one-on-one -on -one attacking and defending skills. During the tournament, our youngsters won all seven of their matches and scored 29 goals on their way to lifting the trophy. We won our semi-final clash with Manchester United 5-0 before beating Cardiff City 4-2 in the final. Ethan Nwaneri showed his quality throughout the tournament and finished as the competition's top goalscorer with 13.
Oleinka leaves on loan. Under-23's midfielder James Oleinka has joined Northampton Town on loan until the end of the season. The versatile midfielder, who can play in either attacking or central positions, joined the League Two club as they compete at the top end of the table. The 19-year-old joined us at the age of seven and has progressed through our youth development ranks, making his Premier League Two debut at the start of the 2018-2019 season, aged 17. Holly Inca scored and registered an assist in his last league match against Everton before joining the Cobblers in late January. And he made an impressive start. He was named man of the match on his debut appearance when the Cobblers beat Scunthorpe United 3-0 in January. John Jules Nets winner. Our under-23 striker Tyrese John Jules opened his account for loan club Lincoln City by scoring the winning goal against Blackpool on January 18th. John Jules joined the Imps in January after scoring five goals and registering two assists in 12 Premier League two appearances during the first half of the season. Our youngster netted the only goal of the game against the Seasiders when he collected the ball on the edge of the box and whipped a powerful effort into the bottom corner. Lincoln have endured an inconsistent season which saw a managerial change as Danny Cowley moved to Huddersfield before the Imps appointed Michael Appleton. As of Tuesday, Tyrese had made seven starts for the Imps. Premier League Under-18 South Wednesday, February 12th, Norwich City under-18s 2, Arsenal under-18s 2. Norwich City goal scored by Dixon Peters, 39, penalty, and Dronfield, 90. Arsenal under-18s goal scored by Cottrell, 11, and Matthews, 74. The Arsenal team was made up of Graxic, Lang, Lopez, Suaha, Aziz, Kirk, Ogumbo, Alabiosu, Serjan, Dennis, Greenwood, Cottrell, Taylor Hart and Matthews. Matthews scored from the bench. Cottrell also on the score sheet. We're reduced to 10 men following an injury. A strong performance after going down to 10 men wasn't quite enough to bag all three points on the road as Norwich City struck a late equaliser. The Gunners started brightly and were rewarded when Ben Cottrell took advantage of an error from the Norwich defence to poke home from close range. <clears throat> the Canaries looked uncomfortable when playing out from the back and we almost took advantage again when Cottrell led the press, won back the ball and forced Sam Blair into an acrobatic save with an effort from the edge of the area. On the stroke of half-time, the hosts were awarded a penalty when Thomas Dixon-Peters pinched the ball from Miguel Aziz inside the area and went down under a challenge from our midfielder. He stepped up and made no mistake from the spot. Shortly after half-time, we were reduced to 10 men when substitute Matthew Dennis was forced off with an injury after Ken Gillard had made all three substitutions. Despite that, Arsenal were still on top and retook the lead when Sam Greenwood teed up Alfie Matthews to fire an unstoppable effort into the top corner. But the hosts snatched a point in injury time when a free kick from the edge of the box was blocked and the ball broke to Zach Dronfield, whose effort hit the post on its way to the back of the net.
Premier League 2. Monday, February 17th, Meadow Park. Arsenal under-23s 1. Chelsea under-23s 2. Arsenal under-23s goal scored by Balogun. Chelsea under-23s goal scored by Broja and Gilmore. The Arsenal team was made up of Hein, Swanson, Omole, Ogumbo, M. Smith, Holding, Clark, Murray, Medley, S. Greenwood, McKenneth, Balogun, Cottrell, Coyle. Subs not used were Aziz and Kovacetic. Pablo Murray makes first appearance for the club. Rob Holding also plays the first half. Balogun scores a cracker. Pablo Mari made his first appearance in Arsenal colours and Rob Holding played 45 minutes as we fell to defeat against Chelsea at Meadow Park. Chances were few and far between in the opening exchanges, but Fuller and Balogun broke the deadlock in style after 16 minutes when he collected the ball and whipped a cross-come shot into the top corner from 25 yards. We came close to doubling our lead on the half-hour mark when Holding met an in-swinging corner at the back post but his header flashed across the face of goal and somehow evaded our onrushing attackers. Chelsea then failed to clear from the resulting goal kick, which allowed Balogun to win back possession and take the ball around Carlo Ziger, but he saw his goal-bound strike blocked on the line. We were made to rue those missed chances soon after when Armando Broja rose highest at a corner to head the visitors level at the near post. The visitors then took the lead on the stroke of half-time. Carl Hine produced a superb double save to prevent Billy Gilmore's initial efforts, but the rebound fell to the Chelsea captain inside the box and he made no mistake at the third attempt. Murray and Holding were replaced at the break in a planned change and we started the second half brightly. We came close to equalising when Balogun drove into the box and tested Ziger with a powerful effort that the Blues keeper tipped around the post. Ziger again stood in the way of Balogun scoring his second of the match once more when he retracted well and got down low to stop a powerful effort after our forward had skipped past the challenge and let fly inside the box. With ten minutes remaining, Hein was at his best to make a strong save to his left after Broja had broken into the box and powered an effort towards goal. Match Report Newcastle United Premier League Match Day 26 4.30pm Sunday, February the 16th Emirates Stadium Arsenal 4, Newcastle 0. The scorers were Aubameyang in the 54th minute, Pepe in the 57th, Ozil in the 90th and Lacazette in the 90th plus 5. Playing for Arsenal were 1, Leno, 2, Bellerin, 20, Mustafi, 23, David Lewis, 77, Saka, 8, Ceballos, substituted in the 82nd minute, 34, Saka, 19, Pepe, 10, Ozil, substituted in the 90th minute, 14, Aubameyang, 30, Nkitia, substituted in the 85th minute. Substitutes, Martinez, Socrates, Kolasinac, Torreira, who came on in the 82nd minute, Willock, who came on in the 90th minute, Martinelli and Lacazette, 
who came on in the 85th minute. Playing for Newcastle were 1. Dubravka, 23. Lazaro, who was substituted in the 74th minute, 18. Fernandez, substituted in the 75th minute, 6. Lasalle, 2. Clark, who was substituted in the 83rd minute, 28. Rose, 24. Almiron, 36. S. Longstaff, 42. Ben Taleb, 10. San Maximin, 9. Joe Linton. Substitutes, Darlow, Lejeune, Shah, who came on in the 83rd minute, Hayden, who came on in the 74th minute, Ritchie, who came on in the 75th minute, M. Longstaff, Atsu. First half. The Gunners returned from their mid-season break with a thumping 4-0 win over Newcastle United at the Emirates last Sunday, and that was despite a frustrating first half, during which the visitors were disciplined in defence and dangerous on the break, notably when Sean Longstaff's shot deflected off Danny Ceballos and forced a smart reaction save from Bernd Leno. The hosts improved late in the half, with Bukio Osaka firing over and Eddie Nketiah forcing a save, but it was goalless at the break. Second half. Arsenal upped the tempo after the restart and should have gone ahead when Nketiah hit the bar from close range, although that didn't matter when, less than a minute later, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang headed home Nicolas Pepe's cross to the far post. The Ivorian then found the net himself, finishing from close range after Saka had nutmegged his marker. The visitors put up a fight, but the influential Masut Ozil finished off a 35-pass move to make it 3-0 in the 90th minute, and sub Alexandre Lacazette ended his goal drought to make it 4 with a late strike. Match stats. Total shots, Arsenal 15, Newcastle 10. Shots on target, Arsenal 7, Newcastle 2. Corners, Arsenal 5, Newcastle 6. Offsides, Arsenal 1, Newcastle 4. Fouls, Arsenal 15, Newcastle 9. Possession, Arsenal 69%, Newcastle 31%. And the photographs in the hard copy. The captions are clockwise from top left. Nicolas Pepe celebrates making it 2-0. Mesut Ozil caps a fine display with his first goal for 10 months at the end of a stunning move. Uber leaps high to bring the ball down. Alexandre Lacazette celebrates his first goal since mid-December. Poké Osaka is too hot for Newcastle to handle. Hector and Danny put the brakes on Alain Saint-Maximin. Thirty-five years in the community. Arsenal in the Community host FA Level 1 in Coaching Football course for parents. Parents of our Football Plus and Women's PDP participants were recently given the opportunity to gain a better understanding of the role of a football coach by attending an FA Level 1 in Coaching Football course. The course provides learners with an introduction to coaching the game and working with players from under 7 upwards. We wanted to host this course exclusively for parents on our programme for three reasons. To get more coaches in the game. Having parents qualified as coaches has the potential to help grow the grassroots game and allow more girls and boys to get involved in playing. To give an insight into coaching. 
If more parents have a greater understanding of football coaching at a grassroots level, they can support their child even more on their journey through football development. By providing a greater understanding of what's involved in planning and delivering a session, as well as giving an insight into the social and psychological aspects, this may help influence parent-stroke carer behaviour on the touchline. During the three-and-a-half-day course, attendees covered tasks on the qualities of a coach, arrival activities, practice design, player ownership, long-term player development and managing match days. I am now more aware of the physical, emotional and psychological side of football. I will be less critical of children as there is a lot for them to process. Parent who took part in the course. Having more parents qualified as coaches can support the grassroots game, increase the number of volunteers and hopefully get more boys and girls playing. We also believe that parents will be better placed to support their child's football development if they have an insight into coaching football at grassroots level. By providing a greater understanding of what's involved in planning and delivering a coaching session, managing a match day and the social stroke psychological factors that a coach must consider, this may help parent behaviour on the touchline. Those who have attended have made a valuable contribution to the course and are committed to supporting the development of future players. James Warnock, Arsenal in the Community Photo of the Week Arsenal in the Community's Twitter account at AFC Community highlights some of this month's community work. Thanks to at Ains Understrike 7 and at Joe Willock for visiting our group at New River College in hashtag Islington earlier this week. Keep an eye on Football Focus on at BBC One today to see what they got up to. Hashtag we are the Arsenal. home with Granite Zaka. Players tell us about their family lives, their influences and their football careers. Tell us about your family. Who did you grow up with? My family is me, my brother and my mum and dad. My family have always been so important to me because they have always been there with me. My dad especially as he moved with me when I went to Germany and signed for Borussia. I lived with him for about two years before I met my wife, so yes, family is very, very important to me. What was the family home like? Where was it? We grew up in Basel in Switzerland. I always lived there. My parents are from Albania, but moved to Switzerland before I was born. My mum loves the city of Basel, so she never really wants to move far from it. I lived in the same house the whole time when I was growing up. We didn't have a garden to play football in, but we were always in the park. We played football with friends, the neighbours, the people we knew growing up and we still have contact with them today. It was a very good area for children where we grew up. My parents still live in Basel but not in the same property. Now I live here of course with my wife and my small daughter. Did you have extended family near you? No, it was just us. We were the only family in Switzerland. All my cousins and uncles were in Albania and they still are. What family holidays do you remember from your childhood? The one I remember most of all was to Mallorca when I was very young, maybe about five years old. It was very good, really sunny, and I have lots of great memories of it. I really remember being with my brother, and we was always dressed in the same clothes. 
there was only 18 months between us, so we always been close. We looked like twins at the time. It was a nice holiday, and we used to enjoy our summers. Do you have any family pets? No, not really. Never had any cats or dogs, but we did have a fish once. What music do you associate with your childhood? Well, my brother would usually choose it. He was a music freak. He still is today, really. I remember that before we went to sleep, he would always listen to Michael Jackson. We grew up with a lot of Albanian music because we always spoke Albanian at home. So it was important for my parents that we spoke Albanian, listened to Albanian music and watched Albanian TV shows. Did you go to Albania much as a kid? Yeah, all the time. I think the first time when I went there was about 12, and since then I've gone every summer. What movies or books do you recall from your childhood? I read more than my brother. I read quite a bit, really. I love the Harry Potter books. I read three of those, I think. I love school as well, to be honest. It was not too bad in school, and I read there a lot. Were your family into any other sports apart from football? My dad played football as well. My mum played the piano, but I always had a big challenge against my brother at table tennis. We were competitive and grew up playing table tennis together. And tennis as well, because of Roger Federer, of course. He was a big legend when we were growing up in Switzerland. What else did you do as a family together? We did a lot. We've always been a very close family, and we still are. They come over to London a lot to visit. My dad comes to every home game. Like I said before, the family is the first thing for me. Also, if you ever things are not going so well, your family are there right behind you. How would you relax together? What hobbies did you have? I'm being honest, it was football, football, football. We were always in the park or always outside. It was fun. And my parents encouraged us because they didn't want us going down the wrong route. They took us to join football clubs very early when I was four and my brother was five. We started to play football, but we never stopped. It began in a small club and the football was always been part of our lives. What are your first memories about playing football? We knew a few Albanian families living near us and we would join up with them over the park. We would take picnics, meet up. The kids would play football together. It was a very nice time for me. My brother was still playing for FC Basel, so my dad moved over to Germany with me and my mum was with my brother. We did that for two years and it was tough on my parents because they were apart as well for a long time. It was a very difficult time for us as well. When I was 20, I said to my brother, look, either our parents live with you in Basel or they come and live with me in Germany. I can't see them living apart from each other anymore. It's not that easy for them. And about that time, I met my wife, so my dad moved back to Switzerland. But he was always there for me and he kept coming to the games. He's watched every single home game. How special was it for you and your family when you played against Toulouse in the 2016 European Championships? My parents were both there watching us. My mother had half and half Switzerland and Albanian shirt. It was a very special memory. And if I speak about it with them today, they start to get very emotional. It was not easy for them to see their children against each other. My brother plays in the same position, so we knew we were in direct opposition. Everybody knew we were brothers, so my parents told us before the game, respect each other, play your game, go to your maximum, your limits, but respect each other. I don't want to see anything bad between you both. She said that because she knows we are very competitive. We enjoyed it, but it wasn't easy for us. To be honest, it was hard before the game, just when we started. 
you don't really think about it that much. But when you are focused on the game, that's all you can think about. So he enjoyed it, but I don't want to play against him again. I know my parents are very proud through afterwards. It's not every day you have your two sons playing against each other. It was such a big stadium and an occasion. It was very, very crazy. Arsenal life. 44 staff members have worked for the club for over 20 years. This season, we hear their stories of club loyalty. This week is Jason Savage. Works in the retail department. Joined Arsenal full-time in September 1996. His favourite moment is Anfield 89. First league title of my lifetime. Favourite player, David Rowcastle. I was born and raised in Hemel Hempstead, but I've always been an Arsenal fan. My dad wouldn't have it any other way. You couldn't have been much more arsehole than my dad, Bill. He grew up in Ashburton Grove, literally where the stadium sits now, and was a huge fan became a curator for the Arsenal Museum. Turning brief encounters with fans into lifelong friendships, telling story after story about the club he loved. When he died two years ago, it was standing room only at the church. We designed the order of service as an Arsenal programme. Mum was a huge fan too. She was from Finsbury Park as was my nan and my granddad, who was a season ticket holder in the east lower behind the glass dugouts. Unfortunately, my uncles grew up supporting the other lot down the road. I was on my way to the game with my dad in 1994 when we stopped in the world of sports shop at Finsbury Park. Whilst being served, I asked if they had any vacancies and the guy invited me in for a chat at a trial session. I was so excited. I hadn't realised the guy was the store manager, Peter Smith, who went on to be one of the many managers I learnt a great deal from. From day one, I was made to feel part of the Arsenal family. It was truly a shop run by fans, for the fans, and it still is today. I was lucky for work for the club through the Wenger era, and I remember the Premier League trophy being in the shop before the Everton game in 1998. My friend Kelly and I had our photo, but we would not touch it in case we jinxed it. We didn't. It was such a successful period. We got to watch football the way it was meant to be played. When the news came that Arsenal was leaving, it was an incredibly strange time. I spoke with so many fans from across the world, sharing the memories of the times with us. Those stories prompted me to set up a fan book in store on the final home matches. Fans queued all day to leave messages and best wishes. I felt proud that I contributed to this amazing send-off. Moving from Highbury to Emirates was a huge change. I started an all-Arsenal on Drayton Park and we had a race against the clock to get it open. From the Dennis Perkamp testimonial, I still held the keys to the gunner shop and I had to tag and hang all of the stock inside and move it around the day before the game. We eventually got access at 6pm, worked through the night until 3am and had an hour's sleep and then we were back on site for 6am. Miraculously, we opened the doors at 11am that morning. It was a very proud moment where teamwork was it worked at its very best. Our day starts ensuring that we are ready to trade, focusing on the store standards and merchandising. Once open, it's all about providing the level of service expected in the Arsenal FC store. Our standards have always remained high, despite the matchday operation changing incredibly over the years. At Highbury, I work with a team of 30, and I have up to 200 staff on a match day on an open-plan megastore, which is one of the best in the world. We have a very passionate and enthusiastic group of matchday workers, deputies, section coordinators, and my senior management team. 
The Armoury also hosts our stadium tours, so on non-match days we are busy welcoming fans from across the world, schools and community groups. And the people, more specifically, with fans don't change. In fact, I see regulars from the Highbury days who pop in for a chat about games. I've had the pleasure of becoming good friends with some of the supporters, including others around Italy, Iceland and Malta. It never ceases to amaze me how far and wide Arsenal reach a level of passion that everybody shares. I think the proudest thing about working for Arsenal is being part of something that is open to everybody. No matter where you come from or what you do, we just look forward to the match where we get together, enjoy the experience and we get behind the team. Arsenal truly is for everybody. Since July, we have had introduced a sensory hour to the Armour Store where we create a calm environment for young fans with autism and their families. Working with our community team has also been a great success and our opportunity for these young fans to enjoy being part of Arsenal. That makes me really very proud. Arsenal has been a huge part of my life, and even when I met my wife, May, she works for the catering company at the club, Delaware North, back in Highbury. She used to wait for me to have my break at the back of the gunner's shop so she could bring the post down and have a chat. We've been happily married now for 13 years. We have two children, Edis, 22, and Medis, 11, both big Arsenal fans. Their nan and granddad would be so proud... We have had their wedding reception at Highbury and I think you could say the club really was in my family's blood. Growing up as a kid, watching my heroes from the stands and queuing up outside the shop on lunch days to buy the new kit, now it's my responsibility to to ensure that the store is ready to welcome the next generation. Match Report, Burnley. Premier League, match day 25, 2pm, Sunday, February 2nd, Turf Moor, 0-0. Burnley team was made of Pope, Lowton, Tarkovsky, Mee, Taylor, Hendrick, Westwood, Cork, McNeil, Wood and Rodriguez. Substitutes were Hart, Bardsley, Long, Peters, Brady, Lennon, and Vidra. Arsenal team was Leno, Bayerin, Mustafi, David Luiz, Saka, Gwenduzi, Xhaka, Martinelli, Ozil, Aubameyang, and Lacazette. Substitutes were Martinez, Socrates, Ceballos, Torreira, Wilcock, Pepe, and Nketia. First half. Burnley held the Gunners to the first goalless draw of Mikel Arteta's reign, but the game was a tale of big chances squandered at both ends. Arsenal made a bright start and put the hosts under pressure early on, with Alexandra Lacazette heading wide and the returning Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang screwing his shot off target after being played through by David Luiz. But the Clarets worked their way into the game and launched a series of sighters at Bernd Leno's goal, with Jeff Hendrick, Jay Rodriguez and Dwight McNeil all shooting from distance. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Second half. The hosts had started to fire crosses into the Arsenal penalty area before the break, and they continued in that vein after half-time as Hendrik missed the target with a header when well-placed from just six yards. Rodriguez then found himself a similar distance from goal, but his side-footed volley came down off the underside of the bar and bounced away without crossing the line. Aubameyang missed Arsenal's best chance of the half by heading wide, and that pretty much summed up the game. Match stats. Total shots. Burnley 15, Arsenal 13. Shots on target. Burnley 2, Arsenal 2. Corners. Burnley 5, Arsenal 7. Offsides. Burnley 4, Arsenal 1. Fouls. Burnley 8, Arsenal 11. Possession. Burnley 43%, Arsenal 57%. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund Celebrate Islington, a festival held last summer that aimed to recognise the borough's rich diversity. Event organiser Ros Miller, director of the Islington Faiths Forum, tells us all about it. The Celebrate Islington Community Festival took place at the Assembly Hall last July and it was full to the brim. We had more than 260 attendees and there was a fantastic mix of old and young. That mix was also reflected in the wide range of performers who gave us singing, dancing and more throughout the evening. It truly felt as if everyone had embraced this event as a celebration of diversity in Islington. A lot of work went into the project to get it to that stage, however. We built strong relationships with all of our community partners right from the beginning of the planning phase and by May those six partners were working closely on delivery. 
Islington Council also played a big role in planning and supporting the event, as did the Arsenal Foundation, whose logo was present alongside the other partners on all our publicity material. We had people at the festival representing BAME, LGBT+, faith, disabled, young, old and refugee backgrounds. They all helped us to deliver the event and support the local people who attended, making it a great example of community cohesion and solidarity as so many different groups worked together. We had a total of 19 stalls from a broad range of charities and organisations and the feedback was incredibly positive. The speakers at the event, including Jeremy Corbyn MP, highlighted the strength we have in coming together, joint working and being examples of tolerance. We had four aims. To celebrate Islington's rich diversity, to promote stronger relationships and cohesion in the community, to promote the work of different community groups, and to meet the challenges around intolerance and hate crime. We had some notable achievements, greater partnerships between the networks and community groups beyond the festival itself, and raised awareness of the different equality strands in our borough and the challenges that presents. The Arsenal Foundation were a massive help, and the much-needed funding helped to make the event, the first of its kind, a massive success. I think it shows how the club is proud of its role in the community and its role in promoting tolerance and diversity. The money went towards event planning, performers and volunteers' costs and food on the day itself, among other things. The best thing is that we've had a lot of requests to do it all again in 2020. Here's hoping, because the event has really captured people's imaginations. For more info, visit islingtonfaithsforum.org.uk Visitors, Everton Words, Mike Hammond The 2019-20 season has been one of fluctuating fortunes for Everton. The Merseysiders have plumbed the depths and hit the heights during a campaign that saw manager Marco Silva sacked in early December and club stalwart Duncan Ferguson steady the ship with boundless enthusiasm before one of Europe's most distinguished and successful coaches, Carlo Ancelotti, was appointed just before Christmas. Buoyed by that coup, the Toffees have risen steadily up the table and are now in a position to challenge for European qualification. Since Silva's dismissal, which followed a 5-2 humbling at Anfield against Liverpool, Everton have lost just one of their last 11 Premier League fixtures, a 2-1 defeat at Manchester City on New Year's Day. They have won six of those matches, including the last two, a smash-and-grab 3-2 win at Watford and a 3-1 home win against Crystal Palace a week later that lifted them to seventh place. Given their current momentum, it's fair to say that Ancelotti's informed side could probably have done without this month's winter break, which means they go into this afternoon's clash at Emirates Stadium after 15 days without a game. Having been knocked out of both domestic cups, on penalties by Leicester City at Goodison in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup and, somewhat unexpectedly, by a very youthful Liverpool at Anfield in the third round of the FA Cup, Everton have only Premier League fixtures to fulfil for the remainder of the season. 
While the fixture list has been relatively kind to Ancelotti since his arrival, several difficult encounters await his players in the next couple of months. After today's match, the Merseysiders' four games in March see them take on Manchester United and Liverpool at home and Chelsea and Norwich City away. While April is no less forgiving with Leicester City and Southampton visiting Goodison in addition to trips to Tottenham and Wolves. Everton have made no secret of their ambition to return to Europe and the next couple of months will be crucial if they are to claim a place in this season's top six. The Toffees have finished outside the top half of the Premier League just twice in the last 13 seasons. And even then, in 2014-15 stroke and 2015-16, stroke they ended up 11th. They have finished 8th in each of the last two seasons, registering 49 points in 2017-18 stroke and 54 in 2018-19. stroke With 36 points in the bag and another 36 to play for, they look destined to end up with a similar points tally this term. But with Ancelotti at the reins and the team scoring goals for fun, they haven't drawn a Premier League blank since being held nil-nil by Arsenal in December. Everton could yet defy predictions before the season is out. Everton Fact File Founded 1878 Nickname The Toffees Stadium Goodison Park Owner Farhad Moziri Chairman Bill Kenwright Record Appearance Holder Neville Southall, 750. Record goalscorer, Dixie Dean, 383. Instagram followers, 1.5 million. Twitter followers, 2 million. Head to head, we've yet to lose to Everton at Emirates Stadium. And last season, second half goals from Alexandre Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang secured a 2-0 victory. Long run. In fact, it's a run of 25 home games unbeaten in all. Won 21, drawn 4. The last time Everton won being a 2-1 victory at Highbury on January 20th, 1996. Goodison Park. The Toffees' home, Goodison Park, was the first purpose-built stadium in England. It was opened in 1892 and was also the first stadium in England to introduce dugouts for managers, floodlights and undersoil heating. Semi-finals. Everton have lost an unlucky 13 FA Cup semi-finals, which is more than any other team. Significant losses include a 2-1 defeat to cross-town rivals Liverpool in 2012 and most recently to Manchester United by the same scoreline in 2016. England's number one. 1. Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper. Born, Washington, 7th of March 1994. Previously, Sunderland, Darlington, Lone, Alfreton, Lone, Burton, Lone, Carlisle, Lone, Hull, Lone, Preston, Lone. Jordan nailed down a place as England's first choice goalkeeper with a series of outstanding performances at the 2018 World Cup. Although there has been talk that his place may be under threat for Euro 2020. The World Cup followed a fine debut season at Everton following a £25 million move from relegated Sunderland. He hasn't missed a league game for the Toffees, racking up 102 in succession. The boy from Brazil, 1. Number 7. Ricarlison. Forward. Born Nova Venezia, Brazil. 
19th of May, 1997. Previously, America Minero, Fulminese, Watford. One of Everton's shining lights this season, Rickarlison has scored nine league goals and is on course to better the 13 he managed in his debut campaign for the Merseysiders last term. A £35 million plus arrival from Watford, the capricious, multi-talented 22-year-old was rumoured to be on Barcelona's radar during the January transfer window. He is now a regular international for Brazil, for whom he has scored six goals in 19 matches. The ex-gunner, 11, Theo Walcott, winger, born Stanmore, 16th of March 1989, previously Southampton, Arsenal. Theo joined Everton in January 2018 after 12 years at Arsenal, during which he made 397 appearances and scored 108 goals, as well as winning 47 caps for England. A prodigious talent in his youth, the speedy winger was selected for the 2006 World Cup when he was only 17. Often blighted by injury during his time at Arsenal, he has largely remained fit and healthy since his arrival at Goodison Park and has been in good form lately, scoring a late winner at Watford earlier this month to notch his first goal of the campaign. The boy from Brazil, 2. 20. Bernard, winger, born Belo Horizonte, Brazil, 8th of September 1992. Previously, Atletico Mineiro, Democrata, loan, Shakhtar Donetsk. Bernard joined Everton as a free agent on a four-year contract in August 2018, having come to the end of his five-year deal at Shakhtar Donetsk, where he won three Ukrainian league titles and three domestic cups, as well as featuring regularly in European competition. The 27-year-old has blown hot and cold during his time at Goodison, but there is no doubting his talent. He scored the opener against Crystal Palace a fortnight ago. Head-to-head. 2019-2020, Arsenal versus Everton. Average goals per game, Arsenal 1.4, Everton 1.3. Shots, excluding blocked, Arsenal 220, Everton 254. Percentage shots on target, Arsenal 46.8, Everton 48.8. Fouls, Arsenal 285, Everton, 313. Cards, Arsenal, 3 red, 62 yellow. Everton, 3 red, 44 yellow. Percentage goals to shots. Arsenal, 16.4. Everton, 13.4. Corner kicks. Arsenal, 163. Everton, 158. Average goals conceded per game. Arsenal 1.3, Everton 1.6. The boss, Carlo Ancelotti, manager. Born June 10th, 1959 in Reggiolo, Italy. Previously, Reggiana 1995-96, Parma 1996-98, Juventus 1999-2001, AC Milan 2001-2009. Chelsea, 2009-2011. Paris Saint-Germain, 2011-2013. Real Madrid, 2013-2015. to 
Bayern Munich 2016-2017 Napoli 2018-2019 Everton staged something of a coup in December when they appointed ex-Chelsea boss Carlo as their new manager, just days after he had been dismissed by Napoli. One of the most distinguished and successful coaches in the game, the former Italy midfielder has an enviable CV, having managed several of the continent's top clubs and won a stack of trophies, including the UEFA Champions League on three occasions and league titles in Italy, England, France and Germany. He has also led a record eight teams in the Champions League. Parma, Juventus, Milan, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid... Bayern Munich and Napoli. Founding member. Everton were one of the 12 founding members of the Football League. The Toffees are also one of the six clubs to have never been relegated from the Premier League. Trading places. Alex Iwobi and Theo Walcott are just two of the players to have played for both clubs and this meeting between the two sides will be Iwobi's first match back at Emirates Stadium. Others to have played for both sides include Alan Ball, Francis Jeffers and Mikel Arteta. Speedy Saha The Toffees scored the fastest FA Cup final goal. Louis Saha broke the deadlock after just 25 seconds against Chelsea in 2009. But goals from Didier Drogba and Frank Lampard broke Everton hearts. Everton Chile Based in Vina del Mar, Everton Chile are named after the Blues. The club was founded by David Foxley and the club claimed that they were inspired by Everton's tour of Argentina in 1909. The sweet left foot, number 12, Lucas Digne, defender, born Mieux, France, 20th of July 1993. Previously, Lille, Paris Saint-Germain, Roma, Lone, Barcelona. A France international with 30 caps who played in six of Les Bleus' 10 Euro 2020 qualifiers after missing out on their triumphant 2018 World Cup campaign, Lucas has revived his international career with some consistently impressive performance for Everton. An energetic left-back who likes to get forward and swing in dangerous crosses, he never quite made his mark at former clubs PSG and Barcelona but is one of the first names on the team sheet at Everton. The schema, number 10, Gilfi Sigurdsson, midfielder, born Hafnar Fjordur, Iceland, 8th of September 1989. Previously, Reading, Shrewsbury, Lone, Crewe, Lone, Hoffenheim, Swansea, Lone, Tottenham, Swansea. Recruited from Swansea for a then club record fee of £40 million plus add-ons in August 2017, Griffley was hot property after three prolific seasons in the Premier League with the Welsh club. The Iceland international also contributed to his country's successful Euro 2016 campaign and recovered from injury to make his World Cup finals debut in Russia. He scored 13 league goals for Everton last season, but surprisingly has just won to his name this term. The linchpin, number 13, Yeri Mina, defender, born Guachene, Colombia, 23rd of September 1994. Previously, Deportivo Pasto, Santa Fe, Palmeiras, Barcelona. A giant centre-back, Yeri made his name at the 2018 World Cup, 
where he equalled the tournament record for a defender by scoring three goals for Colombia, including the stoppage time equaliser against England. He joined Everton later that summer following a brief spell at Barca, but it is only this season that he has established himself as the main man in the Merseysiders' back four. He scored twice in the recent 3-2 win at Watford. The hot prospect. Number 9. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Attacker. Born Sheffield, 16th of March, 1997. Previously, Sheffield United. Staleybridge, loan. Northampton, loan. The scorer of the winning goal for England against Venezuela in the final of the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in June 2017, Dominic has made steady progress over the next two years with Everton, but he has taken his game to a new level this season and is the club's top scorer with 13 goals, 11 of them in the Premier League, and six since Carlo Ancelotti took charge. The Italian has been quick to press the 22-year-old's case for full international honours. Scouting Report by Michael Cox In the reverse meeting between these two sides shortly before Christmas, Mikel Arteta and Carlo Ancelotti watched helplessly from the stands. Confirmed as the next managers of these clubs, they were unable to influence the game having not officially taken charge. The match was a flat, lifeless nil-nil. A couple of months on, it's clear that both have had an impact. It's Everton whose improvements have been converted directly into results. Having looked in danger of getting sucked into a relegation fight under Marco Silva, Everton start the weekend two points ahead of Arsenal. After 20 years spent playing various systems to accommodate as many talented playmakers as possible, Ancelotti has gone back to the system he favoured in his formative days as a manager, 4-4-2. This system has worked well across the pitch, but its virtues are obvious when looking at the combination up front. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is in the best form of his career and on his day looks like a true all-round centre-forward, capable of challenging in the air and sprinting behind the defence. Just off him, Rickarlison buzzes around energetically and is adept at cutting inside from left-sided positions and finishing with his right foot. Their interplay has often been excellent. In Everton's last game before their winter break, a 3-1 victory over Crystal Palace, Calvert-Lewin's flick-on set up Ricarlison's fine counter-attacking goal, and then the Brazilian's headed effort from a corner was turned in by Calvert-Lewin from close range. Both are in fine form and are keeping the speedy Moise Keane out of the side. Everton's opener in that game, meanwhile, came when Theo Walcott's deep cross was volleyed home by Bernard, and those two have been Ancelotti's preferred picks out wide in recent weeks. Arsenal need little introduction to Walcott, whose late winner the previous weekend in a 3-2 win at Watford was his first goal of the season, while Bernard is a classic winger who likes ducking and diving to escape challenges. Another Arsenal old boy, Alex Iwobi, has found himself out of the side, but links effectively with the full-backs from either flank. In midfield, it's likely to be two of Morgan Schneiderlin, Fabian Delph and Gilliff Sigerson, who has adjusted well to being used in a slightly deeper role to his preferred number 10 position. Tom Davies is a more energetic alternative. As they have throughout much of the last decade, Everton pushed their fullbacks on effectively, 
although the old duo of Leighton Barnes and Seamus Coleman have been replaced by Deadpool specialist Lucas Digne and the impressive Jibril Sidibe. Mason Holgate has played well at the back alongside the towering Yeri Mina in recent weeks, although he can also be used in a holding midfield role. The main question in this side is about Jordan Pickford, who has been guilty of some poor concessions this season. Arsenal Women, the latest news and results from the Women's Super League Champions. Gunners are up for the Conti Cup. Are you ready? Because we're certainly ready for 5.30pm next Saturday when we take on Chelsea at Nottingham Forest City Ground in the Continental Cup Final. Whereas Chelsea are playing in the final for the first time, this is Arsenal's eighth final in the nine editions of the competition that have been held since it was replaced by the Premier League Cup in 2011. The Gunners were the first winners of the new trophy, with goals from Ellen White and Jane Ludlow giving Laurel Harvey's team a 2-0 half-time lead over Birmingham City before a Rachel Yankee double either side of Izzy Christina's goal completed a 4-1 win and sealed the domestic treble in the process. The 2012 final was a rematch, and although it was a tighter affair, Kim Little's 82nd minute winner settled matters. The Gunners reached the final again in 2013 against Lincoln Ladies and we might as well have lost the WSL title to Liverpool. We proved that we were still a formidable unit by winning the 2-0. Thanks to goals from Wet and Little in the final 15 minutes. On paper, there was something of a shock in 2014 when Manchester City dethroned Arsenal to lift their first major honour. In fact, the Gunners had lost a host of players and despite having won the FA Cup earlier in the campaign, were underdogs against the emerging City team. And it was Christina, now playing in Sky Blue, who settled the match late on. We didn't have to wait long to get our hands on the trophy again, mind, because Pedro Lossa, who had taken over from Shelley Kerr at the time for the 2014 final, took Arsenal all the way the following season as we beat Notts County 3-0. Thanks to the Jordan Nobbs double and a late goal from Yubungu. History of the wrong sort was made in 2016 when the Gunners failed to reach the final, losing 1-0 to eventful winners. Man City. After the semi-final, we gauge revenge. Two years later, however, the competition wasn't held in 2017 when Vivian Marti's strike separated the two sides in the final. Last year, of course, it was City again on penalties after a nil-nil draw. So let's hope that this time next week, we'll have lifted the trophy for the sixth time. New dates for your diary. Arsenal FA Cup fifth round tie at home to Lewis fell victim to the weather last weekend, so the tie was rescheduled for today with a kickoff at 1pm. The quarter-final draw took place on Monday, so we now know that if we beat champion side, we will host Tottenham Hotspur, who are the last eight for the first time. Ties are scheduled to take place the weekend, March 14th and the 15th. Talking of Tottenham... The North London derby that was postponed in February the 9th will now take place on Wednesday, May the 13th at 7.30. All tickets that were sold out for that game are valid for the new date. The Gunners Women's Super League game against Reading that was originally due to take place today will also be rescheduled in due course. Kim's on the mend. 
Captain Kim Little, who hasn't featured since her FA Cup win over West Ham United at the end of January, has successfully had surgery on her foot. It's good news. She's expected to be available later on in the season. Arsenal made to fight for win at Liverpool. FA Barclays Women's Super League, Thursday, February the 13th at the Diva Stadium. Liverpool 2, Arsenal 3. The Gunners kept their WSL titles hopes alive with a battling 3-2 victory at Liverpool on Thursday, February the 13th. The visitors started brightly and almost took the lead inside the opening minute when Daniel van der Honk won back position and teed up with Jordan Nobbs. Those powerful efforts from the edge of the box were well saved by Anki Prias, but it was the hosts who went ahead against the run of play. When the long ball forward evaded our midfield and fell into the path of Rosola, who used her pace to shrug off Louise Quinn and a shot low past Pauline Pressmay just before the quarter-hour mark. The Gunners weren't behind for long, though, before Nobbs found Vivian, who fired on the underside of the crossbar. Two minutes later, we were ahead as Nobbs turned scorer by heading home Lisa Evans' cross, only for Rachel Furness to fire an unstoppable half-volley into the top corner at the stroke of half-time. Arsenal dominated the second half, but looked as if the hosts might hold out until Leon Makler whipped in the cross for the box to head home the winner in the 80th minute. From the fans, my Arsenal. We hear about your heroes, hangouts and heart-stopping moments. Email program at arsenal.co.uk for your My Arsenal questionnaire. Drew Wang, aged 33, from New York City in the United States, works in advertising. Why are you an Arsenal fan? My dad was a fan, so I had no choice. I was able to bring him to his first match earlier this season, which was a very special experience. What was your first Arsenal game? Our first European match at the Emirates versus Dinamo Zagreb in 2006. We won 2-1 with late goals from Ljungberg and Flamini and Eduardo scored for Zagreb. What was your first Arsenal game? Probably my first away match at Man United in 2006. Adebayor scored a very late winner. Match day routine? A pie from Pieberry Corner, then a few pubs. After the match, I visit the brick me and my sister got for my dad outside the armoury, and then I end the night at the Arsenal Football Supporters Club. How do you feel before a game? I still get goosebumps like it's my first match. I live in the States, so I only get to make it to a few matches a year at most, so it's still incredibly special every time I'm there. Where's the furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal play? Just the 3,000-mile journey from New York to London. Do you collect memorabilia? I have all the matchday programmes from every match I've attended. Favourite piece of Arsenal memorabilia? I got married last November and I got a custom bruised banana lining on the inside of my tux. It went viral. What do you wear to games? I'm not too superstitious, so I'll mix it up between kits or just a scarf. Whose name and number would you like on the back of your shirt? 
I typically get them blank, but if I had to choose someone from the current side, I'd go with Hector Bellerin. Favourite ever Arsenal shirt? The 1998-99 home kit, which was my first Arsenal kit. All-time favourite player? Thierry Henry. He made me fall in love with football. Do you have an Arsenal cult hero? Danny Carbassian, still the only American to score a goal for Arsenal. What's the best debut performance you've ever seen by a new player? I'm sure I'm missing some, but the one that sticks out recently is Mesut Ozil's against Sunderland in 2013. If you could erase one Arsenal moment from history, what would it be? I'll never get over the Wainbridge goal for Chelsea in the Champions League quarter-final in 2004. We would have won the Champions League that year. If you could be present at any Arsenal match in history, which would it be? This already happened. Being raised in New Jersey, it was special to see Arsenal play here versus my local club, New York Red Bulls, in 2014. Thierry Henry got an incredible ovation from both sets of fans. Teams For Arsenal, head coach Mikel Arteta, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and white socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 11. Lukas Torreira. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Soares. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper. 28. Joe Willock. 29. Matteo Ganduzzi. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 31. Zird Golazinac. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 77. Bukeo Saka. For Everton, manager Carlo Ancelotti, blank shirt, shorts and socks. 1. Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper. 2. Mason Holgate. 3. Leighton Baines. 5. Michael Keane. 7. Richarlison. 8. Fabian Delph. 9. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. 10. Gilfie Sigurdsson. 11. Theo Walcott. 12. Lukas Digny. 13. Yeri Mina. 17. Alex Iwobi. 18. Morgan Schneiderlin. 19. Gibril Sidibe. 20. Bernard. 21. Andre Gomez. 22. Martins de Kallenberg, goalkeeper. 23. Seamus Coleman. 25. Jean-Philippe Gramin. 26. Tom Davis. 27. Moise Keane. 29. Umar Niasse. 30. Kuka Martina. 34. Benny Baningami. 42. And... Match officials, referees, Stuart Atwell, 
Assistant referees Adam Nunn, Simon Long. Fourth official Simon Hooper. VAR official Craig Pawson. Additional VAR official Stephen Child. Today's other fixtures Manchester United versus Watford at 2 pm. Wolves versus Norwich City at 2 pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. An immissable lineup on BT Sport. Premier League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, the Emirates FA Cup, Ladbrokes Premiership, UEFA Super Cup, Bedford Cup, Gallagher Premiership Rugby, Heineken Champions Cup, European Rugby Challenge Cup, Bundesliga, Vanarama National League, MotoGP, WTA, Fight Night Live, UFC, KFC BBL, FIH Hockey World League, Barclays FA Women's Super League, BT Sport Speedway, WRC World Rally Championship, Major League Baseball. Search bt.com slash sport. BT Sport. The 19-20 kits on sale in store and online. This is Home N5. Acronis Backup. Cyber protection for your data. Keep your data safe with the most secure backup. www.acronis.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 